telling you someday I'm going to go down with them. But this time I'm just going to dismiss the song. We'll all go to Children's Church. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Philippians, the first chapter. Scripture say in this in this life you will have troubles. In this life you will have trials. Sometimes we can get into the midst of the trials and get weighed down in it. May just be me. But I've noticed that at times when things come up, well, like this morning not realizing how bad my knees were going to be as I tried to swing my legs out of the bed. And everything in me went, ow. I don't like those mornings when everything goes ow. Because it doesn't go ow like that. It screams. And that's what my knees did. They just went, ah! And then went all the way up my back. And my back said, well, fine, I'm going to participate too. And they goes, oh my gosh. And everything in me wants to go back and lay down. You know, because you're only part way out of the bed. You've kind of rolled and you're, oh my gosh, that really hurts. And everything in you, your pillow's singing. Come back to me. Come back. You will find rest. And it was one of those things, because I don't know about you, but not every morning do I wake up knowing what day it is right away. And so this morning I was like, oh wait, what do I have today? Oh no, 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 this is... Got to be at the church early this morning. Okay, yeah, no, that's not going to work. So, getting all ready. Then I realized, oops, because of all the stuff going on, I forgot to print the bulletin yesterday, which now means I have to send it down to the printer. And me and my infinite wisdom, have I've put the printer in the basement. And I sleep on the second floor. This morning I realized how stupid that was because now the computer that I'm going to send the signal from to the printer that has to be loaded with the bulletin paper. And trust me, you almost got to draw your own bulletin today because I knew I had white paper in it and I thought if I just run it through, people can draw the front cover all for themselves. But I didn't. And so I went, okay. And so I went down the first set of stairs. For whatever reason, the knee thing is worse when I go on stairs, down. I don't understand it. I can come up fairly well, not a problem. Going down, it feels like somebody's trying to cut them off at the same time that I'm trying to use them. And so it was one of these times that I went, oh, what are the ironies? How to have joy in the midst of your troubles, I think is what I put on the bulletin. Finding joy in the midst of trouble is not an easy thing to do. But God, and that's what I like, is the but God has made provision for us. So, starting at verse 3, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this, one, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to tell you this, this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the endeavor this morning is to try to help you that no matter what goes on in your life, whether it's imaginable circumstances, just utter devastation, difficult people, or insurmountable loss, 
to have joy in the midst of it. And the very first way we start is with gratitude. You'll notice Paul's writing here. He's writing to a church that he hasn't been able to get back to. He's now in prison. But he speaks of the joy that the church is bringing him just because of how he's thinking about them and what they've done in following Christ Jesus. That everything that he has gone through has been worth it because they've caught a hold of Jesus and they've gotten into a relationship with him. And let me tell you, for every minister out there, that is the one thing that matters is that people come to know Christ and that they're in a relationship with him. Because I know that with him, anybody can make it through anything. That's why when you think of people that you've had the privilege of being able to be with and see them grow in your faith, you can think back with joy, knowing that no matter what comes, they know how to find Jesus, how to have him at work in their lives, leading them through life, and not just watching them flail around, searching for an answer. But it all starts with that gratitude. Sometimes it's hard for us to get there, which is why Grandma Davis would always help me with that. Because believe it or not, every once in a while, the problem sheet can seem larger than the blessing sheet. And so every once in a while when I'd be talking to my grandparents because they spent so many years in ministry, I would bring up a few things that were going on. Now, Grandpa was great. He was right there. He'd go, oh, why don't we try this? If you try this. Grandma, she gave you the whack to the head spiritually. Really, dear, it doesn't sound like you've been counting your blessings. Have you been counting your blessings this morning? Did you thank God for the things that you have? Wait, why don't we just go through it? Why don't we go through your blessings? And by then you're going, great. So now my whole pity party's done. I've really got to now focus in. And it's true because there's always more blessings, but some days it's hard. So this morning, when your body says, ow, I'm going, wow, the sun's shining. It's not raining. So when I left here Friday, I like to try to make it in between showers. I did a great job. Made it all the way to my driveway before the showers hit. And then it was just, just one of those days when you don't have an umbrella in the car and it just went poof. But it waited until I was about five feet out of the car. So now I've got a dilemma as I'm going to the door. Do I turn back to the car where I know it's dry, or do I make a dash for the stairs where I know it's dry? And by then I didn't have any choice, so I had to go for the stairs because I already knew in the car there wasn't anything to hold my attention for much longer, and it was really raining. But in the midst of it, you can even find blessing in that because it knocked all the pine needles off the car that had been driving me nuts as I was driving home. But sometimes we have to take a look at our lives and go, wait, where's the silver lining in the cloud? We can find clouds easy. I'm a pro. In fact, I can go out into a farm field and I can find you all the cow pies in the field. I do the same walk with my grandmother and she'll notice things that were growing or how the farmer had tilled it over. For me, when the manure got spread on the farm field, Yuck. It made everything stink for miles. Grandma, she went, wow, it's going to be a good crop this year. Honest to goodness, she's in heaven now, so there's very little. But I'm trying to pass that on to my kids, that there's gratitude for what God's done in my life. Gratitude for how he's moving in my life, even when it seems difficult to see it. I liked what um, Brennan Manning said. I believe that the real difference in the American church is not between conservatives and liberals, fundamentalists and charismatics, or Republicans and Democrats. The real difference is between the aware and the unaware. When somebody's aware of the love that the Father has for Jesus, that person is spontaneously grateful 
Cries of thankfulness become the most dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful. We're grateful and that makes us joyful. That is the whole trick. Because when you're focused in on what you have and not what you need, what you want, what do we all do with our kids? I want this, I want this, I want this. I feel bad for any parent that still takes their young child up through the cereal aisle. As the rest of us veterans have learned, do not go into the cereal aisle whatsoever. In fact, leave the kids at home if you can, and if not, don't go near the cereal aisle because it's always, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And having been a kid myself, I admit, I understand why, and it's not about the cereal. It's always about the prize in the box because we'll want the prize in the box. I can't tell you how thankful I was when I finally figured it out because you used to go and you'd pull the bag out and for the longest time you had to pull the bag out and you'd pour the cereal into a big bowl to get at the prize and your mother would flip. She'd come down, what is wrong with you? I now have learned. They fixed the packaging. You can pull the bag out and get at the prize because it's not in the bag anymore. But I've also learned that what that means in today's culture means there will be bags of cereal. And so you have the little minion things or whatever happens to be the prize of the day and they focus in on that instead of focusing in on the cereal that they have that will give them energy so that they can make a dozen toys. I'm very blessed with my kids. They're able to engineer just about anything out of anything. Christian has an amazing ability to take what was and make it into something useful. Well, we need to do that in our lives. We need to take a look at what was and allow God to make that useful. Because we get caught up in, oh, my knees don't work. Well, no, but I'm breathing. And when it comes down to it, I'd rather breathe than have working knees. It gets really difficult. I go all red and purple if I don't breathe. The knees, you can have ibuprofen for. Sometimes... We get so caught up because culture says it's all about you and what you want. And it isn't. There's nobody out there that's going to give you what you want. That little what you want comes from inside. But if we're Christians and we're aware of what Jesus has done in our lives and the hope that he's given us, you can go through anything. Anything. Which is why... For me, I can have confidence in God's plan. I know that no matter what happens in my life, that God already knew it was coming and that he'll see me through it. And most of all, that he can take whatever junk it is and turn it into blessing. And I know, I talk about it all the time, but I love Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat got to this place, he's leading the nation, and a bunch of guys run in and they say, hey, hey, oh my gosh, They're going to kill you. They're coming. Look, there's three armies. They've assembled. They're coming to kill us. They're going to wipe us out. And Jehoshaphat goes, what am I supposed to do? That happens to me a lot in my life. What am I supposed to do? I don't know if you have those, what are you supposed to do? Maybe I have it all figured out. But I find I get driven to my knees quite a bit going, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? And I've learned along the way that I may not understand And Jehoshaphat didn't understand, but he turned to the Lord. And what happened? They marched out to battle, and the whole battle that was coming was to give them three days' worth of bankable bankable assets. They literally walked out. God had taken out the three armies because they were people God had told the nation not to touch. And so there they are. Israel shows up and goes, oh, time to clean up. And they take all the gold, the silver, everything that, that army had brought to provide for their needs as they were traveling. Literally, what looked like destruction, God turned around and used for bankable assets for the nation. They literally went out and got rich from what was going to be destruction. But do we do that? Do we allow God to step into the situation And have confidence that he can handle it. And that no matter what it is, he'll see me through it. Or do we go, I don't have enough faith for that. God, get out of the way. I'll do it my way. Spoken as a guy who has done that a number of times. 
does not work well. Far better to reach out to Him and to say, okay, God, you'll be God, I'll be follower, I'll follow you, and I'll know that you can take me through this. The place you do not stop is when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. You do not stop in the valley and make camp. You press on to get through the valley of the shadow of death that's spoken about in Psalm 23 because you're confident that God's there with you and that you're not going to have to stop because He's walking with you. He's making the path. What does it say? It, Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, the mountain will be removed. But we hit obstacles and we go, okay, that's it. No more. No more. You know, in military training, one of the things they have to do is a whole obstacle course. There's a giant wall that they have to climb up. They actually have to get over the wall. They have a bunch of people that will wash out because they won't even attempt the wall. They can do the wall. They are, the thing's there. If they understood simple physics, they could grab the rope, walk straight up the wall, no trouble. Might have to work a little bit at it, but they don't get to the obstacle course first. One of the first things they do is got them running. But you don't want to have somebody in your army that hits a wall with a rope on it and says, forget it. Can't do it. Guys, we cannot allow the tricks of the enemy. It's smoke and mirrors. A lot of what the enemy does is smoke and mirrors designed to distract us, to have us off wandering around. Instead of when we hit the major things in our lives, instead of letting them have power and saying, okay, God, you know what? This is yours. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say I can do one of the things. It says I can do them all. So no matter what happens in my life, I know that he can handle it and he can take me through it because it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We work for the guy who conquered death. The one thing that man can do nothing about, death. Once you're dead, you're dead, except in God's economy. Because God has power over death, and he's defeated it. So don't let the little things wipe you out. Speak to the situation. Whip out the scriptures. Even if you have to just hold on to that Ephesians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If that's all you can do, Having done all to stand, stand, it says in the scriptures. So gratitude, confidence in God's plan, but also, for me, confidence in the God we have. Look at what he's done for you. You're justified before him. You were guilty. You were marked for execution. You were dead man or woman walking. You were on the green mile, headed to the chair. And he took all of those things. He took the nasty garment that you had on. The one that was messed up, cut up, broken. And he put it on his son. So that when you stand before the Lord, you're righteous before Him because of Jesus' sacrifice. No longer clothed in sin, made righteous to step into the presence of God. You've gone from the execution line to the lifeline. And how do we live? We live like there's no hope. We live like we're still in execution mode. But we're not. That isn't the way it's supposed to be. Having traveled, I've had the privilege of being all over the place, and I've spent way too much time on way too many highways. And invariably, it would appear that when I go out in a car, everybody else goes out in a car. It's really special because we all just go and sit and look at each other, but... Driving along, you'll notice things on cars. You'll notice bumper stickers. In this instance, 
in the story that I found here, somebody was talking about how they were driving along, caught in traffic, and they were looking, and this car had a Longhorns, which is Texas. They had a Longhorns bumper sticker. Looking a little more, there were a few more signs. There was a Longhorn steer, the symbol, and it was on the trailer hitch. And all around the license plate were the Longhorns, right around the license plate. Yeah, just a vehicle. I'm not talking about any truck in specific to where. If there happens to be one in here, then let God apply that. But you would expect to find a Longhorns fan. Somebody was really that rabid about the Longhorns to be in Texas. So you would look at the license plate and expect within the frame that says Longhorns for it to say Texas. But in this instance, it doesn't. It says Illinois. Abe Lincoln. That's not Longhorns. All the other symbols are speaking to something else. But clearly this person has moved to Illinois. They're in Illinois now. But their loyalties are still back in Texas. When you move, what's the first thing that happens? Your license, you get changed. So it says Massachusetts. Your license plate becomes Massachusetts. When we become a Christian, our loyalties are supposed to change. But sometimes we treat it like we do when we're moving. And they come over slowly, one piece at a time. We're not supposed to have divided loyalties. I'm a Christian, but I still love sin. There's a mistake there. If you're a Christian, you're free from sin. You don't love sin. But we act like we love it. We go and we immerse ourselves in it. The amazing thing is they test ponds all over here for people for when they're swimming. The minute that they find deadly bacteria in it, they put giant signs up that say, do not swim, hazard to swimming. They'll close beaches, they'll close the rivers all the way through Springfield. They'll do all sorts of things to try to keep you safe. And invariably, what happens? Watch evening news and some bonehead is getting hauled out of that really sick because they didn't read the sign that said, do not go here, danger, hazard, do not swim, close for swimming, do not drink, don't have anything to do with the water, there's no way of making it any clearer, and what is it? Bam, right back. Number one reason why people fall away from the Lord is they go back to the world. They head straight back to Egypt and they go, oh yeah, oh I just love it. They come in on a Sunday morning and get their emotions tickled. It's so much more than that. The Lord has given us power to live. His spirit, it resides within us. That's why you see so much on Jesus preaching about spring and salt water, fresh water and bitter water. We're supposed to have glorified. He glorifies us with his presence. The thing that made the temple separate was the fact that it was where the presence of God was, where the presence of God dwelt in our lives. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, in 1 John 3, 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All have this hope in him. Purify themselves just as you are, just as he is pure. But the first thing we do is run away from that. Guys, you do not see rock concerts going on within the temple of God. In fact, if you turn to Ezekiel, 
and you go through it as we were studying this week, the things that Ezekiel saw, they had idols. There were 70 of the elders in there, and they're each worshiping their own idols, which is why the Lord ends up destroying the city, destroying the temple, allowing Babylon to just roll through because the people had turned their backs on God. Guys, I'm telling you, we're living in those days. You do not want the Lord to be showing somebody that you're worshiping idols. The women were carrying on with fertility rites in the court of women. And then way out in the open, you got 25 guys just doing even worse stuff. Everything that had gone on was detestable. But we look at it and we go, that was history. No, that's current now. God has so much better for us. But we drag ourselves back into the nonsense and then we go, I don't understand why I feel so bad. I know why my knees are hurting. I know why they're hurting. I wish I was smart enough not to do this. But I also know that I stand no chance of ever getting down to, you know, a trimmer weight without doing something. I know that if I go and I eat a ton of bad food, like if I go through the McDonald's drive-thru, I'm now blessed with the same reaction my dad had when I was growing up. It's an amazing thing. I'll never need to buy any of those other products from CVS. I can just head straight to McDonald's, eat that, and half an hour later I'm all set, cleaned out, but good. Because my body doesn't have the same level of grease. When I was a teenager, it was awesome. I could eat anything, and I did. <laughs> As indicated by the uh, <clears throat> subsequent stature. <laughs> but I know now that when you're eating vegetables and stuff, and you go and have grease, oh Lord, it's a very quick reaction. But we don't realize that those things that we think are good, and there's nobody that's ever going to convince me that Oreo cookies aren't good. I think Oreo cookies are great. Oreo cookies and me perhaps would never meet again, but, you know, what are those fried foods? Yeah, it's really getting close to lunch. I'm thinking of fried fish, fish and chips. It's all good. But the reaction within my system isn't always good. It's to the place now where I can have certain foods and I can feel my heart rate take off. You can literally be eating and go, and you go from a nice resting heartbeat to all of a sudden it's like you're running a race because the food's reacting badly to my system. Now, if you are conscious of it, you don't go and do it. But for some reason, I can still rationalize a box of Oreo cookies and not the small one. I'll go for family size. And then I share it. You know, here's two or three cookies for you, Maria. Here's two or three cookies for you, Christian. I'll eat the rest. It's not a good system. And so I've learned, if I do that, there's going to be consequences. But I'm not, I'm not doing myself any favors. I'm actually sabotaging myself. Yeah, how humiliating that is. Try getting up in front of people and telling people that you've done that. It's even worse. But if I can help us to not do that, if I can help just one person not do that, it's completely worth it. I've learned that if I have electrolytes, and as it happens, V8 juice, which thank you very much, Diane, that was a big help. V8 juice has been extremely helpful to me. This helps to deal with the dehydration too. If I don't do this, if I don't drink the electrolytes, I know what happens. I'll be in the emergency room with an IV thing stuck in me. Which is why I'm doing all the other healthy things so that I can actually live the way I'm supposed to live and not have to go down and have them hauling on you to try to put a line in to try to rehydrate you. The nice thing is this, this amount is starting to come down. 
and I'm looking forward to the day where I only have to pull this back out again when I'm playing sports. But I know, I know how my body reacts. We know how we are. But do we do things to feed the good side? Do we do things to feed our faith and allow the Lord to work through us? Or do we say, forget it, I'd rather have the fish and chips. Fish and chips is good, but if you live on fish and chips, you die. Did you know if you only eat one thing all the time, you'll die from that one thing? You can actually have way too much water. You can get to the place where you have too much water and only have water and you'll die from it. We're not meant to function like that. How we're supposed to function is God working through us. It's supposed to be that he has the ability to show his love to this world through us. And I'm the first to point out, that's a bad system, Lord, for me. Because that puts a lot more onus on me. It would be so much easier if you could just pick three or four people and work through them. But God goes, no, I think I want to do it through all those who follow me. Well, that's stinky because I know that. Which means I have to live it, which isn't necessarily easy. Now, guys, this isn't easy. And please, if I'm telling you that this is, if I'm coming across like this is easy, it isn't. But it's not hard either. It's like when you start to do things good. When we first started walking, I couldn't make it up the hills without going. (gasps) Now, I can truck up the hills and slide down the other side, apparently. No, and that's why I'm trying to help the kids so that they don't get to this place. I'm trying to prevent my children from getting to this place and going, man, why does everything hurt? God wants to work through us. In fact, he'll only work through us. The Bible says one day we're going to be like him. Before I was a Christian, whatever I did, good, bad, or indifferent, really didn't count. Before I was a Christian, if I did anything good, it didn't amount to anything. My obedience to Christ, my obedience to Him, brings glory to God and allows Him to be shown manifest, to be shown great in my life, for Him to receive the honor and the glory. And He uses weak things like me for His glory. means that He does the work. I get the good seat to see him doing it. There's never any time that you're going to find somebody who has a front row seat to any event that's going to say, no, I'd rather sit in the back. It's so much cooler when you can see it. Way, way back when, when the Toronto Raptors first had their first game, I happened to be traveling through Toronto with another guy. And so they were opening game, Sky Dome, big stadium. And I went, wow, start of an NBA team, never been to an NBA game, sure, let's go. Well, as it turns out, we must have got the world's worst tickets because our tickets allowed us to see where the people with the money sat. They'd set a postage stamp, which is what it looked like. Honest to goodness, I don't think that court was any bigger than this from where I was. And there's big old bleachers and everything around it. And then there's us all the way up in the nosebleeds. And you can't you can't even see the players. They look like ants running around on the on the court. I would not want to go back and redo that. If that was the only way it was at sports stadiums, nobody would ever go. God isn't wanting to use everybody else and not you. He wants to use you. Because he wants to be able to show people what he's done in you. But in order for him to be able to do that, we have to be obedient to him. Which means we have to let him be working in our lives. Which sometimes means saying, okay, I must die so that he can increase. 
I must put down what I want to do so that he can do what he wants to do. It's kind of like when you have kids. Your entire life changes once you have children because you're no longer able to do the things that you used to do without considerations hitting. Out at the Grand Coulee Dam, not Grand Coulee Dam, it's a great big dam, it's a hydroelectric dam. Uh, this family had made it and they were looking through the visitor center and as they came to it, they found it to be dark even though it was sunny outside. They tried to go to the displays and none of the displays were working. They wandered through the whole thing and they couldn't find anything working because the Cooley Center by this dam had no power, but it's sitting right next to the hydroelectric dam where they produce the power. The great big transmission lines are running out of the dam and they can hear the power running on the wires. But where it mattered to them, there was no light. There was no power. Where it matters to these folks is to know where life is. But if we don't bring them life in our lives, we might as well be powerless visitor centers. And I know that's hard because all of us are sitting there going, I don't want to do that. That's too much work. It's too uncomfortable. I want to be comfortable. I want to come to church. I want to sit in my seat and I want the pastor to just leave me alone. And I just want him to preach things that make my ears tickle but not reach in with anything else. And hey, I'd love to do that for you because there's many a time that I come to the scripture and say, well, Lord, I'd rather preach this. But it's not that. It's a matter of being obedient to Him because each of us has to be obedient to Him in our lives. And sometimes that's going to mean laying things aside. So you know what helps? Thinking about Jesus in those moments. Now, we don't do it just on our own. We have sanctification, which is God's work in us. The moment we became a Christian, God begins to mold us, to shape us, to hammer us into the image of Christ. Justification that we first talked about is just the work of a moment. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. You can be in the joy of the Spirit. You can have the joy of the Spirit, but you still have to keep going because if you're not changing, you're not doing it right because He's molding and shaping us. The problem is it can be uncomfortable, and I can say, God, forget it. I'm on the potter's wheel, and I don't want to have you pressing on there anymore. Stop it. It's uncomfortable. But God's going, no, no, it's okay. I got the whole big picture in mind. This little piece, he'll use, and he'll mold it and shape it. And sometimes the potter will work a long time on one area until we catch on. Have you ever noticed that you tend to, even if you run away from an issue, you tend to encounter it again? It's really annoying. Because you want to get away from it because it's uncomfortable. And every time you turn around, God's bringing it right back. And it doesn't matter. You can move. You can even move. And you'll get away from the person, but God will bring the issue. And it'll show right up. And you'll be going, God, give me a break. I told you I didn't want to have anything to do with this. And God's going, duh. Do you think maybe that's something you need to work on? When you take your car in... To get it repaired. It's not all about having the white walls, which I don't think we have anymore. But anyways, the old days when we had white walls, it's not just about getting the white walls polished. Some days the engine needs to be repaired. And some days God's saying, hey, I want to work in your life because you're supposed to have joy in your life. But you got drudgery. the hardest points means fellowship with God's people as iron sharpens iron the scripture says part of having joy in life is fellowship with God's people and I know I heard it I heard it I heard somebody think it but God's people are cranky yeah some days God's people are cranky and some days they are having a bad day 
Some days it means you serving them instead of them serving you. I admit it, like the other days, it's always better to be served than to serve from the point of the person on the receiving end. But some days God's going to use that in our lives to help mold and shape us. Sometimes coming to the church for fellowship is actually good for us. Some days it just gets us out of our funk. And I don't think there's one of us that hasn't gone, I'm pretty sure there's a better excuse for me to be anywhere but here. I know, the pastor's not supposed to say that because the pastor's supposed to always want to be here. But I deal with the same people you do. Some days it's about him and his people than it is about me. I like... I like the analogy for prayer. The thumb being the ones that need help. Because usually when you're traveling, this is things that need help. You'll see people that have circumstances that need prayer for. The pointer finger being those that are in leadership. Teachers, doctors, supervisors. The tall one is for those that need wisdom to lead. Governors, politicians, presidents, kings, queens. The weakest finger for those that are in the midst of dire circumstances, unable to stand on their own. Baby finger, that's for you. Smallest of all the fingers. The order puts us at the back end. I like that because it's not supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about you. When we come together, we're fellowshipping with fellow believers. And there's something that comes from gathering where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. Yes, we can have a grand time at home with the Lord. The Lord and I get along wonderfully. It's awesome. I love it. I'm never the guy to say, go away from the quiet time on your own with the Lord. But I have learned along the way that God does something special when the people of God gather. And that it doesn't take any more than three. God brings his presence in a new way when there's other people. You'll also notice that nobody ever does everything alone in the scriptures. Aaron and her came along to hold up the arms of Moses. We all need somebody to believe in us when we can't believe in ourselves. The last thing being for joy, we should do everything that we do with an eye to him for his approval. Admittedly, there are times that I go, man, I wish there were some awards. The Bible college, they had awards. They'd always hand them out. Somehow, in my 14 years on staff and faculty, I never once managed to get one of those stupid things. Not even a little page in the yearbook that was a yearbook dedication or tribute. No, never. And I had to keep reminding myself along the way, it's not about me, it's about him. And the ones that I really want to hear, the award I want to receive is when I step into his presence and I'm able to have Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into your rest. That's what I want to hear. When it comes down to it, sometimes being acknowledged is great. Most of the time, extremely uncomfortable. But when I stand before the Lord to be able to have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that's what I want to have. But in order to get the well done, thou good and faithful servant, means I must decrease, he must increase. It means it's about others and not about me. And that is hard. And the only way you do it is day to day. You can sit and say, yeah, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it all for you, Lord, and that's great, because right now you can believe it. 
But when you roll out of the bed and everything's aching and your pillow's calling and it's saying, come back, come back. And the sheets are warm because the air is cold and you just want to pull the comforter back over. Some days at that moment, being able to roll out of the bed and say, okay, God, let my day be a blessing for you and not me. And I can tell you, if you do it, God will show you things you've never seen. He will bless you in ways you could never even imagine. Because one changed life changes your whole outlook on life. One moment with God changes a person's life. We never know when God's giving us that opportunity with a coworker, with a colleague, with somebody who comes to where we work. Every moment of every day is an opportunity for God to do something great. The problem is the enemy is going to do everything he can to tell you you're miserable. To put smoke in mirrors and tell you all the things you don't have. The enemy will never tell you what you have. He'll always tell you what you need. It's never going to be about how great God is. It's always going to be about you. Why it's too difficult for you to do. Because the best thing you can ever do to stop an enemy is get them before they ever get onto the field. If the enemy can get us to stay home, out of, the, out of interaction with anybody else, you're no threat. Nothing's happening. You're stagnant. You stay long enough, swamp. The reason why the ponds that have springs feeding them stay fresh is because there's always the infilling of the fresh water. That's how it is with us. I know it's difficult to turn to the Lord. I know that we get weeks that things come up, days come up, and you're so busy. Trust me, there's a big difference when you reach out to Him and say, Okay, God, I may not know how, I may not know why, but I need you to work in my life. Stay tapped into the fresh spring. You stay fresh water. Cut yourself off from God. Cut yourself off from His people. Swamp. It's hard, guys. And I, I wish I could say it was all about Sunday attendance. This has absolutely nothing to do about Sunday attendance. This has absolutely to do with being effective witnesses. Lighthouses, when you're in them, you have to clean the glass so that the light shines. We have to do that in our lives. We don't want to have blackout curtains up so that nobody can see the light of Christ. Because you may think it helps you get through life faster and easier. It doesn't. The enemy's stealing from you the joy of seeing God reach in and touch people's lives. Of seeing people set free. Because I can tell you, this is now 20 years of official ministry, what, 25 years of preaching. Guys, it's never been about me. It's always been about what God does somebody in somebody's life. I can tell you, there are people all around this world that have had moments with God that I've been able to see. And that's amazing. Because I've seen lives turn around. I've seen people that were in jail, locked up. They were throwing away the key and they're out and they're serving God, pastoring churches, ministering to people that have no hope. Guys, we are literally in the waiting room. The waiting room. You're in the airport. You're sitting at the gate. All we're waiting for is for our flight to be called. But along the way, we happen to have people going by that we get a chance to talk to. Don't worry. If we're talking to people about the Lord, you're not going to miss the flight call. But you don't have to sit in the lounge the whole time. They'll call the flight and you don't have to be sitting in the waiting room. You don't have to be sitting at the gate. The Lord will call and we will all go. The problem is the plane's big. Very big. He wants as many people as possible. So our mission is to go into the highways and the byways. To tell them that there's a reason for hope. That there's a reason they can have life. That gives you joy no matter what. When you watch God help people overcome things and you see them become an overcomer, it's amazing. 
I know we will have troubles. The Lord said we would. But they don't have the same hold on us that the enemy wants us to believe. Much less by His power. By His power is how things are done. You're not whipping out your credit card. This is all on God's tab. He makes the provision. He gives the strength. He fills you up. And yes, He will even give you the words for when you're in front of those that you have no idea of what to say. He will give you the very words to speak. That's why He said, tarry here for His disciples. Tarry here until you've been filled with power from on high to be My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that is the very call. What did Jesus say at the end of, that was recorded at the end of Matthew? Go and make disciples. That's what we do. As church people, that's what we do. We go out. We invite people to come into the wedding feast. Whether they choose to come in and eat, that's on them. What's on us is inviting. Helping people to know there's another way. Helping people to know that in the midst of your community, that right on the street where you live, there's a lighthouse shining bright for the Lord. That all may know. That all may know. That's the goal. For His honor and His glory. I'll stop digging now. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for... Thank you for allowing us to be your vessels. Lord, I just ask that you would right now speak into each heart, that you would help each one to know that which you desire for them. Lord, if there's issues that need to be dealt with, that Father, you would deal with those issues. If there's strength that's needed, that you would provide the strength. But Lord, most of all, I pray that your spirit would fill each one. That we wouldn't go from here trying to do it in our strength, but that we would go as your ambassadors, with your might and your power, guiding, leading, and making a way, even when it seems impossible. Mm -hmm. Father, I pray your blessing upon us as we go from here. May we be bright lights and salt to this earth, because they really need to know that there is hope. Help us to go with grateful hearts, confident in you, and that, Lord, we would have the joy that comes from living that way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And there is food in the back, even though Bob isn't here. I noticed that he stocked the fridge. So.